When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? My name is Josh. Welcome to the Barca Blogger podcast. Hope you're all are having a good day, had a good week. Uh, it's international break already, which is just always the worst one. It catches you off guard. You're getting into the the real swing of things, the flow of the season, and then all of a sudden, three weeks in, it's just... Um, today, we have Nick coming on the podcast. Nick writes for Barca Blogger He does great work. Uh, we're going to chat a bit about the transfer window wrap-up, uh, specifically the lovely Griezmann deal. Uh, we're going to chat about Barca's win over Getafe and about some of the reports around Ronald Koeman's contract renewal. So hope you all enjoy the interview. And if you are not subscribed to the podcast, please do so. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah, so here's the interview with Nick. Enjoy. I am joined by our old pal, Nick. Nick, how are we doing today, man? Doing great. Happy to be here on a very interesting week with Barca News. Yeah, you, uh, you, you get to join on a fun week. So international break, always the best one. Three weeks into the season, everyone's like, yes, let's take a break. So for whatever reason, the football world decides to stop. And uh, now we get to talk about things. So we'll get into some of the on-pitch stuff shortly. But uh, we got to talk about the transfer window. So... As a whole, when Nick, when when you think about this transfer window, how do you view just how do you view it? Just big picture for Barcelona. Well, big picture, I don't think it was about players. It was about salaries, and you know, it was a big transfer window. But in the end, I think the strategy for Joan Laporta was pretty clear uh, from the beginning. It was well, once I guess he needed time to actually see the financial picture. But in the end, more important than anything has been, how do I get salaries out the door? If it couldn't be MTT, then I guess in the end, it had to be Griezmann because there was desperation there and he was the only player that was actually marketable. Yeah, and the marketability of him, of course, was um, I think Atletico knew. I think they knew that Barcelona didn't really have anyone else to get rid of. I think they knew Pjanic wasn't going to be able to be an easy move. I think they knew MTT was going to be a bit stubborn. And they played their cards perfectly right for an Atletico perspective, right? They they waited to the last second and they got Antoine Griezmann back after selling him for 130 million. I think they paid 40, so you know about one third of what they of what they made for him. And now they get to go into the season with uh, Luis Suarez and, and Antoine Griezmann up top. So, all right. So when you think about Antoine Griezmann's uh, run at Barcelona, uh, I guess we'll call it a run, a stint. A short two years it feels i can't believe it's been two years it feels a lot shorter than that but somehow so it's over uh barcelona lost a lot of money on him they didn't really win much with him how will you view the antoine griezmann barcelona relationship yeah i think it's a symbol of everything that was going wrong at barcelona at the time um you know i've 
I've been following all along, and whether it's Coutinho or Dembele or Griezmann, all these guys that came in with on these super expensive wages, you'll always see it as like what happened after Neymar left the team. And what Bartomeu, who got away with so much just because he inherited such a good situation, was able to get away with and just spending money recklessly. Players who, in spite of being world-class, were never going to be able to live up to that reputation because as a few years eventually on the entire like world market was soccer showed us, nobody was worth that money. So with Antoine Griezmann, you know, maybe better than some of the other players, I see him as someone in an era where we didn't get the right managers in place, who didn't know how to use him. Um, you know, the struggles of having other players fit in with Messi, I'll always remember that. And how you probably do need in this era, world-class coaches who have ideas and a vision to make that work. But ultimately, you know, with Antoine Griezmann, as a fan, I looked at him every single game as someone who was trying. You know, I was watching this last game against Atafe, and I think it was kind of emblematic of a lot of the struggles. Like everyone's like, oh, well, Griezmann's not doing anything. He's not getting any shots. Nothing's happening. There was something going on there with this positioning that he just couldn't get touches on the ball. He couldn't even get warmed up. And that's been going on for years. He's just this guy who he scores a goal for France. You know, yesterday he scores a goal for France. So apparently whenever he plays for the French national team, they know exactly how to put him in positions where he can be effective. And no coach during his tenure at Barcelona has ever been able to do it. So I think it's just symbolic of how he was brought in, how he left from the managing to what Bartomeu did. He'll be used as like a case study to understand what went wrong during this time period. Yeah, and it it sucks too because I was excited when he first came out. Obviously, there was like some weird controversy there because he rejected Barcelona previously and then really wanted to come. So he came in kind of under a somewhat of a bit strange um, circumstances. But like you said, it never felt like he was able to really get his feet under him in terms of where he belonged at the club. And part of that was like there were always there were always the reports about him and Messi's relationship being a bit strange. Um, I find that probably like wasn't a personality thing. It was more so an on the pitch thing. Like they were never able to figure out where he belonged. And it's the money part of it's obviously unfortunate, right? Like they were only able to, you know, recoup part of what they paid for him. But like in terms of how I view Antoine Griezmann now versus his value two years ago, I don't feel like they've shifted that much. It's just the economics have shifted a lot. And so it's not, I don't view it as, I don't put him in the same group, I guess, as Dembele and Coutinho, even though they were all a lot of money and Barcelona aren't going to be able to recoup any of that. Um, but I still feel like his value is so good. And it, it is a strange circumstance to where he could have such a strange tenure and have his, at least like on the pitch value in my head, still, like I still view him as a star. Like I still, like like you mentioned, when he plays for the French national team, he's great. And I, I would assume he's going to be great going back to Atletico. And so... It really is just unfortunate that they were never able to figure out the right way to plug him in because I do feel like in his, you know, in his prime at Atletico and at the French national team, you watch him and you're like, you, you want to root for him on your team. And so to watch him kind of just not squander like it's his fault, but to watch him toil away at Barcelona for two years and not have that, you know, success come to fruition is just like, I don't know, it sucks. And I think it's really unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and I think it's clear that this is not about, like, performance, even though he hasn't had the best performances. He was, you know, it's alone technically out to Atletico. And Koeman has said over and over again, like he does, you know, he doesn't defend players if he doesn't actually believe in them or if he doesn't want to use them. But it was very clear that Griezmann was, like, set to have a big role at the team this year. But at the end of the day, the finances talk, like you said, the economic situation made it impossible 
So it's just uh, it's a sad situation, but um, at the end of the day, it was shocking and not shocking at the same time. Yeah, and in the list of shocking things that happened at Barcelona this summer, uh, Antoine Griezmann leaving for 40 was the second most shocking, of course. Um, let's talk about some of the incoming deals. So I think we've already... You know, we've already seen Memphis Depay, and we'll talk about him in a bit more detail at the uh, when we talk about the Catafe match. But he's obviously been great. Then you have Eric Garcia, Guerrero, um, and then Luke de Jong. Like, how how will you view Barcelona's incoming players this summer? Well, it's just interesting how most of them are brought in on free transfers. So once again, it's just like beyond what the players can contribute. Um, they came in pretty cheap. A lot of, I think even Aguero reduced his salary pretty significantly to come here under the like understanding that he was going to be playing with Messi. So who knows what his attitude is even going to be like when he comes here. Or, there's some things that could still change. I wouldn't even be surprised if there were like contract buyouts or something like that between now and then. I think the only one who's truly looking to be an impact player, in my opinion, is Memphis. I think Eric Garcia potentially will play a role um, and we'll see what happens with him. Uh, I, there's For me, there's just something about Eric Garcia that he seems like a, a prototypical Barca defender in the good ways, but also in the ways that could be concerning going forward in terms of just like lacking the physicality of like modern football. So a lot of the other players I think are just going to be role players. If they can be fit in at a particular point in the season, if they do well, they'll play. And if not, someone like Luke de Jong will probably be here for a year and then won't see him next year. That's definitely Koeman's player. I, I couldn't see other managers like being excited about like having him be like your go-to number nine. And to me, I'd rather see Braithwaite than him anyways, uh, if, I'm, if I'm choosing a number nine, just because he's, well, we'll see about Luke, Luke de Jong. There's something about the chemistry he probably has with the other Dutch players. We have a lot of Dutch players right now. Um, at the end of the day, I, one or two weeks ago, Quimman said, look, we have too many players. How am I supposed to manage 30 players? Well, even after the, these guys who left, there are a lot of players with these new signings and returning players and the young ones who are coming up for him to choose from and find players to make this work. Outside of Atletico and La Liga, who I think are better, I think Barcelona is still in the ballpark to compete for a La Liga championship this year. Yeah, and that's actually that's a great segue. That was a, a question I had written down for you. So the Griezmann deal going back to Atletico, I would say that they're probably, I, I, I don't know if I, I think personally I would say clear favorites, um, but I think it's obviously up for discussion. Do you think so? You you think Barcelona are kind of in the same ballpark as Atletico, and that they could make a run at La Liga? Of course, when you look at like world class teams, especially recently, you look at Liverpool. Okay, they look just like out of control, good for a while, a couple seasons there, and a lot of that is you have the talent. I think we have all the talent. Barcelona has all the talent that these other teams have, but the difference is like the, a sense of belief that a coach can instill in the players that we all know that you're world-class, you're here for a reason, you're one of the biggest clubs in the world, but then how are they supposed to actually believe that they have what it takes to compete for titles? And that's what concerns me a little bit under Koeman. He makes a lot of excuses about like why it's kind of lowering expectations, you might say. But I look at Barcelona, and I and by the way, I'm not here to trash Koeman. From the all of last season, when everyone was just from the beginning, like Koeman has to go, I really liked that Koeman came in and is a strong enough figure to control the dressing room. To me, that was huge after what was there before. But can he tell the players, like every single person on the roster, that you're here for a reason, you can win La Liga. We all know it's possible. But if you're lowering ex expectations constantly and you're making excuses for yourself and your team, then that's not a championship mentality. That's going to get you very far. 
Yeah, and I, I think the his impact on the team this year is going to be so fascinating to me because, you know, I, I wouldn't say Griezmann was like above above the fray, right? But he's he's such a big name, such big money. And even though Coutinho and Dembele also cost big money, their their kind of reputation isn't at that level anymore. And so now with Griezmann and Messi gone, like you would never say you'd prefer for those players to be gone, but now you're left with a team that's still very deep um, talent-wise and gives him a great opportunity to really like, we're really going to see his managerial chops this season, right? Like there's not, like, yes, he did. I, I would agree with you. I think he did a really good job of managing the dressing room last year. Uh, with a lot of with with more big names um, but now that those big names are gone and it's all just it's pieces in a puzzle and it'll be fascinating to see if he can figure all that out because like you said the talents there like they might not have as good of talents um, you know in the attacking front as Atletico do but there's definitely still talent there and so it'll be fascinating to see if he can get all those pieces to mesh um, let's talk about uh, our El Clasico friend uh, Real Madrid for a second when you were you scared of the thought of them getting Mbappe? Like, did they them with? Oh, that's a dumb question. Of course, we're scared of Mbappe, right? But did you think Mbappe would make them equal title challengers to a Barcelona and Atletico right now? I think so. I think he's an impact player like that. I think Carlo Ancelotti is just a great coach. Now, when we talk about a coach who makes players believe in himself, that's Carlo Ancelotti. Like, he's going to have players who. Maybe their confidence has been low. Maybe a Gareth Bale, maybe a Hazard. You can see players who just need an uplift, and he's going to get that from them over the course of a year. You know, you, you give him a team, and he's going to make them better. Um, and that's just like inspiring confidence. So you add Mbappe to the mix, and of course, because he kind of tore apart Barcelona last year in the Champions League, that's someone that you fear. Um, and I think he he fits naturally into the counterattacking tactics. Well, Madrid has like a pretty good balance, but you add a weapon like that, I think Madrid automatically becomes the favorites in La Liga. But I don't think I, the one saving grace for Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are going through a tough time too, maybe not quite as much as Barcelona, is that there's going to be a lot of competition this year. Every team is going to drop points. Atletico Madrid didn't look that great last weekend against Villarreal. So as a neutral, this could be a very exciting season. And maybe, um, you know, that's why I say Champions League, there's a big discrepancy between Barcelona and other teams around the world, the elites. But in La Liga, especially with Mbappe not coming in, I think it's going to be very competitive. You just got me very excited for La Liga. Um, so let's talk a bit about the Getafe match just because football did happen this weekend. Um, Barcelona 2, Getafe 1. Uh, the takeaway for me, and this is just the glaring takeaways yet again, uh, we saw the potential, not not the, I guess it's realized potential of uh, Memphis Depay. He's clearly the, he's the go-to guy for Barcelona this year. Um, what were some of your takeaways from that match? Well, from that match in particular, I guess it's the consistency. I think there was a problem against um, Athletic in the match prior to that, that they just did not come out of the gates ready to play. And I don't know if Quimmon's type of coach that gives like inspirational speeches or not before games, or if he tries to like gauge whether or not his players are ready game in and game out. I mean, part of this is like motivation. Part of this is tactics. Are we going to press high up the field? How can we actually have a game plan that, you know, will promote that style and being ready. So I think that adjustment was good seeing them come out with energy. I think Sergio Roberto has something to prove. I think he was reading the headlines last year and all the articles about people who were um, frustrated with him. 
I think he's much more natural in uh, the midfield. And that was great to see them come out of the gates ready to score an early goal. That matters a lot. But I, I, my takeaway was that was a really strong start. So why don't you put your foot in the gas and kind of flex a little bit on the other team to kind of put Hitafe away. And they didn't do that. They let him right back in the game. They lost possession. Um, the equalizer seemed inevitable. So I don't know what that is. It's kind of something we've seen a lot with Barcelona in recent years, um, how you keep that consistency going, how you get that mentality that you're the superior team. So you have to dominate games and that requires energy. Um, and it's a certain attitude that just persists from start to finish that we didn't see. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned consistency because that was your your recent piece talking about the more questions than answers going into the international break. Um, how how are we viewing Barcelona's midfield right now? Well, I think if the midfielders, you know, from Pedri, Frankie, and Busquets, they're the type of players that are going to stay healthy, and they're the kind of players that Koeman has pretty much selected as his preferred um, starting three. It sounds like. This 4-3-3 is going to be what, you know, he's committed to at least to start the season. So we're going to see them play a lot. Um, I think Frankie's fantastic. I just think if anyone, there's two players that give me like a lot of hope this year in excitement. And I think Frankie is just an elite center midfielder, one of the best in the entire world. And he's so mature. You could see him kind of willing the team to step up in all in the, these first three games. And he was doing it last year too, just leading by example forward and backwards. Um, I think if anyone really should be the captain of this team, in my opinion, if it wasn't just about tenure, I think Frankie to me is like the captain of this team. I think Busquets is the biggest question mark. If Pedri gets rest, I think he's going to be good. Pedri's not a messy. I, I don't think I'm quite as like bullish on Pedri as everyone else, but that's just because everyone else seems to think he's like the next like best player in the world, someone who could win like Ballon d'Ors. Um, I think he's a fantastic center midfielder who potentially... I see him as, you know, could be, you know, around Barcelona for a very long time. Um, but Busquets is the biggest question mark, in my opinion. Like, he's kind of a safety blanket because you know what you're going to get from him. And I think that's why we don't have a lot of options. Um, I think the option over Busquets would actually be to put Frankie in that role and then choose somebody else to be an attacking center midfielder. But I don't see Quimman being that creative. And the depth behind them, you know, Quimman shows his cards 100%. It's very clear that Ricky Pooch is going to be on the bench, that um, Gavi is his number one guy. He wants to give him a chance. My analysis there is that I think they're so similar that it's almost comical. Maybe other people are seeing something I don't see. I see them having such similar profiles in a good way. Both are like really talented. So the fact that you would choose Gavi over Ricky, um, to, it's just because of the relationship. And I think that he wants to have his, his player as opposed to the one who was a little bit defiant. So I think there's a lot of talent there. Um, maybe Pjanic will get a chance given the circumstances now, if he stays on, but um, I don't think it's, I, I think there's definitely some question marks there. Yeah. And I, I loved your section in the piece talking about the defensive stuff um, with Lingley and Umtiti are the backups, backups. Um, you called the center backs a mixed bag. And so the defense, right. That, that was the discussion for a lot of last year uh, was the inconsistent play of the defensive line. How are you feeling about the uh, the, the current kind of uh, defensive stronghold that uh, Barcelona are trying to maintain? Well, I, I Jordi Alba is the player that won't go away. 
he just seems like he's someone who has such a chip on his shoulder probably his entire life that he just will always find a way to perform and keep his spot. I would love to see Alejandro Valde um, get some playing time this season. I think he's just different than Adriano Alba. That would be great. I, I think the excitement is actually that there is some depth to the team right now in the defensive end, so there might be some competition. Serginho Das, to me, looks better. Tracking him from preseason to where he is now, he seems so much more confident this season. I think the thing about like with Messi on the field, especially for some reason with the right fullback, the chemistry has to be right. And if you're a young player, I think there was sort of intimidation for Dust last year, not wanting to make mistakes. This year, he do, he's doing what he does best, going forward 1v1, getting to the end line and getting in crosses. So if you see more from that, that could be exciting. And with the center backs, I love Ronald Aralco. I think he's amazing. And uh, I, the only thing about him is he has, you know, seems to get injured. But if he stays healthy, I think he's a solution right there, 100%. PK as well could be, is going to be good for the year. And then after that, that's where the question marks for me come in. I'm not sold in Eric Garcia. He has to prove himself. I think he's a solid player to have. And if Langlet and Umtiti are backups, those are great backups to have. We do have some depth right there. So I think we have enough to get through a season if we're, the tactics are right and the coach is doing a good job. I think Minguesa is awesome to have as a role player in a lot of different areas. He's very versatile. At the end of the day, I think Barca is good when you don't put so much pressure on the defense. I always say, if we have more possession or if we're dominant offensively, we're asking less of the defenders. They can be involved in the offense, and that's the ideal situation. Yeah, so wrapping up, um, there was a report from Mundo this week talking about some of the renewal requirements for Ronald Koeman, uh, and they are kind of what you would expect, right? Win a title, play the youth, play an attractive style using a 4-3-3. Uh, so we know what the, the rumors are around what uh, the Barca Brass want to see out of Ronald Koeman this year. What do you want to see out of Ronald Koeman in order to convince you that he is the manager for the next couple years for Barcelona? You know, I don't think there's anything he can really do to convince me that he's the manager for the next couple of years. But I 100% like believe in stability and what Laporta did to say, let's see out the contract. Um, I think we know exactly what we're getting from Koeman. And I think the year could be solid, you know, as a transitional two years to get us from where we were in trouble to have someone who has a strong presence in the dressing room, can keep things, keep a lid on things. Um, that would be a really positive year. I don't think there's, I mean, if he wins the Champions League, I think he's earned a new contract, 100%. But short of that, um, I just don't, I don't think at a team like Barcelona that expects attractive football, that requires you know, ideas that require some courage. He doesn't seem like the kind of manager that's gonna, um, that's gonna manage games in that way. So, but what I would like to see from him is what I say over and over again, I don't know, just hoping that like maybe he'll, he'll listen to what a lot of people are saying, give the same criticisms. Give everybody a fair shot. Let's really see on merit, show that you can like judge talent and get the most out of the players that are on the roster. One, I, I would, I guess, close by saying, there's one, there's one situation that I would be like looking at. I think Yusuf Demir is super interesting on this team. The question is, can you um, develop talent on, the, on, on a team? Yusuf Demir is someone who has proven that uh, under the right circumstances, he could play a big role and be a part of this team for the future. And will Ronald Koeman be conservative and say, he's too young, I can't trust him, so I'm going to play a Luke de Jong or a Sergio Aguero, like some of these older players? 
or will he find a way to tap into the talent that he's already shown and get the most out of him? I think he got lucky with Pedro last year. I, I really don't give Quemin that credit. But if he can take a player like Yusuf Demir and turn him into a player for the future, I think that's the sign of a good manager. No, I think that's well said. Um, so, Nick, international break time. Do you have anything, any pieces on the horizon that we can be looking out for? Well, I'm trying to get my just head wrapped around what this actual team is going to look like right now. I got my hopes up and I was already super optimistic um, prior to the international break before the transfer window closed. But right now, um, just looking, to, just hoping that our players stay healthy and do well in their games, get some confidence from the international break. I'll be tracking that. And then coming out of it, um, we'll see what our team looks like, what Barcelona looks like, and go from there. Open mind. At the end of the day, new season. I, I really do try to be 100% positive and optimistic. I'm a fan of the team, um, of the club, and I truly believe that there really are better days ahead. And as difficult as this time is, it seems to me like making these tough decisions is the right way to go. So I'm looking forward to a good season. I 100% agree. Uh, better to rip the Band-Aid off than to kind of slowly just peel it off like they have over the last... 12 to 16 months. Um, Nick, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will be sure to have you on again in the future and uh, enjoy the international break. Thanks. Same to you.